Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo. It's more than just a podcast. It's a source of insights to keep you tapped into all things data-driven so that you can be the most informed technical expert in the virtual room. Listen in weekly to stay educated on the latest trends in backup, recovery, storage, cloud, and security. I'm your host, Demetrius Malbro, and on this episode of Data Protection Gumbo, I have the pleasure of speaking with Sanjay Poonan, who is currently the CEO and president of Cohesity. Sanjay is a proven business executive with over 25 years of experience in scaling multi-billion dollar businesses and also building strong teams. And most recently, Sanjay was COO at VMware, where he oversaw sales, marketing, services, and alliances, and also doubling VMware from approximately $6 billion to $12 billion in revenue. He also played a vital role in architecting multiple successful cloud partnerships, including AWS, Microsoft, Google, and Oracle. Sanjay, so welcome to Data Protection Gumbo. How are you? It was nice to be with you. I've heard a lot about this from some of our common friends, and uh, I'm delighted to be with you. Thank you for inviting me. Awesome. So let's start off with, with a few light questions, and um, we'll, we'll make the light questions security, but you know, it's kind of jokingly saying that security is not primarily the number one topic that everyone is talking about right now with things out there like ransomware. So we all know that cyber threats are also escalating, and I know you have tons of conversations with C-level executives such as yourself, like CIOs and, and CISOs, et cetera. So what is top of mind from most CIOs and, and CISOs that you speak with on a daily basis? Um, just, I think the, if you look at the threat vector, it's only gotten more and more sophisticated. Nation-state actors now means that country sponsors often for what's effectively sort of terrorism almost, so to speak, because they're driving fear into people. And the it's sort of an enemy that's constantly changing its tactics. We may have thought about network security in the past being the firewall, being a layer, layer of defense, endpoint security, uh, malware. Then it got into software source code with SolarWinds. I mean, the idea of ransomware itself is not, you know, it's been there's 20 attempts at ransomware every second. So as a significant, it's not, people know what it's going to look like. There's some phishing attack. There's some way by which they're trying to get to your data. Once they got your data and to progressive layers of the most secure data, you know, which ultimately is your backup, and they get to that, then you're pretty much hosed. So the idea of being able to protect all of your assets, physical and digital, from the, the, the bad guys, wherever they are, and these are typically, is really, and I've been very fortunate for the last 15 years, security is not new to me, I've been in the last many, well over a decade, built the security business, SAP, built at VMware, I'm on the board of Sneak, uh, very connected to hundreds and thousands of CISOs. I've been thinking about many aspects of the security problem. I spent a lot of time with world seasoned security professionals, you know, talk to the government, talk to them. This is something that is going to be top of mind to, I think, both com companies um, and federal. And you have to have, I think, a security posture if you're an executive, if you're a technology leader, which is plugged into understanding what are the possible ways in which you're going to get attacked and then build the layers of defenses that protect you from that happening. 
Okay, awesome. Yeah, I, I really, uh, res well, that, that resonates with me, and I'm, I'm sure it also resonates with um, most of the Gumbo listeners as well. Um, also, maybe leaning into that a little bit more, you know, there, there's an intersection nowadays. So backup and recovery, that's where I started off a very long time ago. So 20-something years, I was a backup admin, and we didn't have a lot of security conversations. So it was mostly about waking up in the middle of the night and recovering a let's say an oracle database went down and you get a page you get a page in the middle of the night uh, and then you wake up and you also working missed and failed backup so we're, we're far away from from that conversation because data protection and security and backup and recovery is really a one-man show so to speak so the question is i guess is, is it just uh, different names for the same thing or are there fundamental differences you say data protection versus data management and data security? I mean, listen, you know, without nuancing on words, um, typically when people have been talking about um, aspects of um, data protection in the past, they were typically re referring to backup and recovery, archiving, many of the things that were very much data management oriented and you are protecting data, I get it, but we weren't doing the sophisticated aspects of security on that data. Threat hunting, classification of data, um, you know, being able to get threat feeds, and there's a whole bunch of science of security related things. What now is called data security posture management. There's a whole science of security things that people did not. So I don't quibble necessarily on the words. To me, there's a set of things that you need to do to protect your data assets. The traditionally backup recovery tools or data protection tools or you know, data management tools haven't fully done. That said, those set of tools also need to, um, at the same time, have a much broader coverage of aspects of data management. For example, today, most backup recovery tools aren't good file and objects tools. They are, you, you have to have a separate uh, set of tools uh, that are often hardware-driven, aren't software-driven for file and objects capabilities. So you have these silos that start to develop where you have a data protection tool that does classic backup recovery archiving. You have another set of tools that does file objects and data access capabilities. And then you have another set of tools that do threat classification, sorry, threat hunting, classification, cyber vaulting that are security oriented. We need to bring them together. We need to converge these into our platform. And that's in essence what excited me about the Cohesity vision is we're a unified platform for data security and data management. And we're attacking five core problems, data protection, data security, data mobility, data access, data insights. And those five pillars give us tremendous amount of headroom to build a great company for years to come. Okay, yeah, um, not focusing on the words, but you know, definitely making sure that you have implemented things in your environment that you, you can recover from things like ransomware. And, and even if we were to talk about you know, SaaS platforms and software as a service, and obviously you've heard that most most people are still not sure about the responsibility of making sure that that data is protected in a SaaS application, uh, so to speak. But let's let's talk a little bit about ransomware and also some of the different types of ransomware recovery warranties. I'm seeing all different types of warranties being offered, insurance insurance being offered to kind of offset the cost of, you know, having to recover from a ransomware event. What, what's your view on, on this type of offering? And do you think uh, more should be done around this area? 
I think in general, the money offers are a gimmick, if I could be as bold, I don't mean to be controversial, because if you're going to move the legal contract of every one of these things, they're never going to pay the five or ten million. Many of them have had five, ten, but they're never going to, because there's enough escape clauses. Or, you know, you have to hire a bunch of my consultants, you have to abide by everything that I say, and if you don't do this, we're... So if you're not authentically going to pay the stuff because you have enough escape clause, it's a gimmick, you know, warranties, uh, and what you, I think before one is a guarantee of saying, forget the money, because ultimately having a money bag guarantee on some large amount of money uh, is not what's going to save you from it. You want a guarantee of a platform that you have to assume breach happens, that whatever breach happens, you are able to recover really fast, and then you have enough proactive capabilities and security to prevent it from happening before. You need both a proactive approach to prevent, detect, prevent before it happens, and then a reactive approach after it happens. So those of us who've been screwed in security for decades, we're not, you know, I don't think any CISO in the Fortune 1000, Fortune 100 companies are going to be like gimmicked into uh, one of these, you know, 5 million or 10 million or bigger warranties. So I think sophisticated CISOs just, yeah, they roll their eyes when they see that. But yeah, it's a reasonably, it could be a marketing tactic, and our view of it is to first debunk the the gimmick aspect of it, saying, guys, if you're looking at documents, read the fine print, they're never going to pay for these escape clauses. So what's the point in buying a refrigerator, um, you know, uh, and they, they give you the, the warranty clause, but the warranty clause has 100 conditions that you'll never meet, and I was like, well, what's the point? And you, you got my attention, but, you know, if something goes wrong, if I haven't hired you, Mechanic who comes and check every every month on the fridge, you're never going to pay me back this stuff. It's worthless to me. So I think the effective economic value of that warranty, that's the way to look at it. The economic value of the warranty is zero. Okay? Now, what you want is not a warranty, but a guarantee that the platform you're going to work with has tried to, tested, is scalable. That's really what. And I think even these companies who started off trying to get the attention have dropped. It's not on their website. It's not a prominent piece of it. So the global 100 are probably telling them this is, you know what, you know, show me what your platform can do, get past the marketing language. So I think we, we've taken a much more authentic approach at Core East. I told you guys, first debunk the gimmick aspect of it. That's important. Mm-hmm. We wrote a yeah. blog with our CMO published that, you know, said, you know, um, uh, I think it was titled ransomware warranties are gimmicks, not guarantees or something like that. And that was a cat- catchy blog. And then we just get to the authentic aspect of working with customers saying, listen, We'll give you a guarantee of a platform that's been tried, true, and tested. Some the, the largest number of Fortune 1000 accounts of the modern vendors use our platform. We have some of the biggest accounts who are big, large customers. You know, hundreds of petabytes been backed up and recovered, and many of those were protecting people active in ransomware. We've added some of the best. What you want are the best doctors helping you where that happens. What's a lot more important to you, that five or ten million dollar warranty, or Kevin Mandio, who's on our board? and mandiant helping you if something were to happen. That's a lot more important. Having a, uh, having a five or ten million dollar guarantee or having the best platform that mass recovery, that's what Coexity does really well. Our mass recovery and instant mass recovery is so much faster than everybody in the industry. We blown away 10x. We want that type of guarantee of a platform and a set of people that are gonna be with you when it happens. And that's what we've been focused on. Build the world's best tech for uh, protection and security, and then get the world's best doctors to help you fight the disease. I mean, if someone told you you had a five-year warranty guarantee that you'll never get COVID, you'll be like, I'm not paying that. Give me the vaccine and give me the best doctors. And that's what we want to be able to do. That's, in essence, the strategy of what we do. All right. And I've also heard you say that 
fighting cyber attacks is a team sport. Um, and, and you also recently created the Data Security Alliance to bring together a number of players. Can, can you tell us more about who is in that alliance and why this is so important for the industry, Sandy? Yeah, I think it's a great. I think you can make a lot of parallels in the way in which we protect people from the bad guys and the healthcare industry where we're protecting folks from disease and so on and so on. And the world's faced some you know, chronic diseases the last three years. That's a serious concern in the world. But I think if you look at the way in which we have fought uh, disease, there's parallels. What did we do? The first thing we did was we quarantined people. We, we isolated them. That equivalent in our world is a data isolation solution for cyber vaulting, air gap, immutable, all that characteristics you need in the cyber vault. We've been very fortunate to be named the best cyber vault at VMworld, all the cyber vaults were evaluated. Uh, I think we came in first and some of our competitors came in second and third. So it's the best cyber vault in the industry bar none. And we are building this to be multi-cloud, AWS, Azure, Google. No one has solved that to really take advantage of object level locking, the key, the, the details of what's involved in the cyber vault. That's number one. What did we also do during fighting disease? We got really good at testing, COVID testing. We were, you want to get on a plane, you got to test. You want to get off a plane, you got to test. You want to go to an office, you got to test. Uh, what's that equivalent? It's threat hunting. You want to be constantly scanning um, your data to notice that we built one of the best scanners. It not just has its own embedded uh, capability for threat hunting that we've built into the problem, but we also accept third-party feeds. You can have your own Yara rules. It's a very, very sophisticated way of thinking about threat scanning. That's the equivalent of testing. And you want to have the best testing that can be done fast, quickly, and all the time. You want to back up, you test before you back up. If you want to recover, if you want to archive, before you go to the vault, after you come back to the vault, we're making sure that that you know, quantity of data that we're, we're restoring or we're backing up is clean. Okay? Secondly, uh, what we need to do is make sure that we're constantly, for the elders in our community, we're doing things that are you know, giving them the cholesterol tests and the blood tests and so on. That's classification of data. So that if you are hit, you're able to categorize these these, the, this part of the data, just like we segmented and said, listen, the elderly people or in some diseases, the younger people are most vulnerable. We want to make sure that this part of data can be treated the, the highest priority of recovery because it has personal information, it has credit card, it has the most sensitive information. We have to need the best classification algorithms. We're very fortunate to partner with Big ID. They are one of the best at doing this in the industry. No one has done this kind of, of partnership the uh, idea became part of this data security alliance, which I'm just going to describe in a second. No one had done it before. They all tried to either build it themselves or you had to go and buy a separate. We OEM the product, built it in. Our customers love our classification capabilities. That's also a key part of it. And then the final piece we did in fighting disease was we got the best doctors to help us and the best village to help us. It wasn't just one. Everybody in the industry was, was fighting this disease. Same way, I went and to call the top 10, 15 CEOs of security companies. And given the fact that I've been in industries, these are all friends of mine. And I said, listen, we're building a village to fight these guys. Palo Alto said, you know, I will be there with you. CrowdStrike said that, Tenable, Qualys, every one of them. And the top 10 security companies for the first time in the industry came to us. They've never done this with any other backup vendor. They came to us and said, we'll be part of your launch. We announced an alliance, again, never been done before, called the Data Security Alliance, where these companies are now part of our ecosystem they're building deep integration with us. We are one of the API-rich platforms. We're the most extensible. Gartner called us the best platform for extensibility. So these guys see that extensibility as a key inherent advantage to what our platform can bring. 
and uh, they started to do and it's a journey. I've started off with 10, 15 players, and then we augmented these players also with some sophisticated doctors that have joined our security advisory council. So the chief doctor, so to speak, is Kevin Mandia, uh, and he has joined our board. He looked at the entire space and felt like we had the best product, the best team, the best board. So we're honored to have Kevin Mandia, and Mandian is now part of Google. But then there's many other key professionals. You know, Marion Bailey was part of the NSA, so she understands the government threat. Kelly Bissell is part of, is a VP at Microsoft, runs the security services team for him there. Jason Chan uh, was the CISO at Netflix. Alex Thomas was the CISO at Facebook. These guys are very well-known names. Uh, Sheila Jordan, and Addy Moore. So these CISOs will form the world's best doctor team to help you. And these are all the benefits you get working with Cohesity for both the platform and the people that will be brought to bear to help you fight the bad guys. And if you think we're even close to being finished dropping data protection knowledge, Gumbo listeners, we have some more ingredients to share with you as soon as we get back from thanking our sponsors. Revise, backed by Atlassian Ventures, is the only native backup and restore solution for Jira Cloud. Get peace of mind from data vulnerabilities such as ransomware, account takeovers, accidental deletions, insider threats, or bad migrations by automatically backing up your Jira data to an offsite cloud isolated from the Atlassian cloud to meet your security and compliance needs. Revise enables you to restore Jira data back in a granular manner, allowing for Jira administrators to easily recover the smallest of objects such as comments or attachments lost. The Revise Backup and Restore app serves as a Swiss army knife for JIRA administrators. So visit revise.io, that's R-E-V-Y-Z dot I-O to get started today. And to Sanjay, we're back. And for the rest of this episode, let's get into modernizing data protection with AI ML capabilities. Yeah, that, that was a lot there. And uh, you, you mentioned Big ID, and I, I had um, Dimitri on, on the podcast several episodes ago. Great guy. But yeah, I, I love uh, really getting down into the, um, the, the bits and, and bytes of security and also talking about making sure data is protected. And I, I don't think we can have an effective conversation without mentioning artificial intelligence and machine learning because it's such a, a, a key component to making sure that uh, things are done efficiently, and they're also automated. So um, I guess, well, what are some of the, the key approaches that you can give the Gumbo listeners to maybe further modernize uh, an AI ML-based approach to security and also cyber resiliency? I mean, listen, this is a deep topic and goes well beyond just crazy. So I've been thinking about this for a while. And again, let's come back to this analogy of, th- of fighting disease. If we're going to basically discover... Uh, cures to Alzheimer's, forms of cancer, beyond things like COVID, a significant part of what healthcare professionals will tell you they're doing is building AI capabilities, okay, that can that can focus on genome sequencing of data and ultimately fix it at the genetic level. So that, you know, if you had some genetic sequencing that makes you prone to Alzheimer's, we can try and fix that and then ensure that we address that at the root cause of what it is, right? Now, that requires a tremendous amount of data analytics and data science and AI. Threat fighting in security is exactly the same. Once we've studied large amounts of logs and incidents and so on and so forth, we're able to detect some particular pattern of what these guys are doing so that we have an early warning that a threat is coming or this threat is likely to be benign, this one's going to be malicious, 
uh, and that's all AI algorithms. So that part is threat research that some of the best companies are spending significant amount of money on, and we partner with them, whether it's Microsoft, whether it's Mandiant, whether it's CloudStrike, whether it's Palo Alto. They have uh, cloud AI security kind of divisions, and that's the reason. I know these CEOs very well, and many of them I'm working closely with. Uh, I'm on the board of Sneak. They are also doing a lot with developer security. So I, in, in contact with many of these big security companies and security professionals, I'm very much thinking through, you know, what we need to do in that area. But the other thing we've got to do as a data security company is make sure that in the data that we do have access and manage, we are using AI techniques for, you know, if there's, we call it data entropy. If there's changes in data, we can detect it and then alert someone and say, hey, someone's maliciously changed your data. You probably want to, it may be intentional, maybe unintentional, you may want to be, uh, if something goes wrong, you self-heal you know, based on stuff like that. So a variety of automation uh, and data, if there's ways by which you can automatically populate a set of uh, fields or attributes into ServiceNow, a platform uh, for IT service desk, we do that automatically. So taking a lot of the manual steps out of that and making the user experience, you know, consumer simple. I call like if you can make things enterprise secure and consumer simple, you've got something that's absolutely going to be something that's delightful, right? We sometimes use the phrase internally here, Google scale Apple simplicity. So the more that you can build enterprise secure, consumer simple in the way in which we make the user experience, that's the guiding philosophy we're trying to build here. And our customers love it. When they view the simplicity of our solution, the user experience, they're delighted by it. So. Um, that's the way I'm thinking about um, this problem and its uh, continuity. And then we'll continue to build on AI research, partner with the best companies who are doing that. All right. And so, uh, yeah, that, that's all, uh, all great. I, I see your, your strategy there is build, building partnerships and, and also um, making sure that you partner with the right companies to make sure that that data is protected, regardless whether it's on premises or it's in the cloud or, or wherever it is. And I also spent some time watching some of your videos, uh, some of your, your interviews on online and also, you know, on some of the major media uh, channels as well. And, um, you know, about some of the reasons that you came to Cohesity after your roles at VMware and also SAP. Uh, and you talk a little bit about the innovation potential that Cohesity has and uh, I guess you guys can bring to the industry. Now that it's four months in for you, you know, how has your, your thinking changed from some of those, those previous conversations that you've been having? I think, you know, the one year off um, really helped me. Uh, I mean, I'd say start off connected with my family. I mean, I've been working 15, 20 years with very little breaks. Um, I, I, you know, I have three wonderful kids and a wife, and we, we, we resist a lot more time. Of course, the pandemic had forced us all. But, you know, I think I was able to be the, uh, the, the car van driver for my kids, uh, you know, every day and drop them at school, be that noisy parent that's at their games. Uh, cheering them on and everybody rather likes it. This, that. And it was just a wonderful time. The New York Times came to my home and did an article on what it's like for executives who take some time off and I was on the front page of the New York Times. And those were all good experiences. I, I joined two boards, uh, Philips in Europe, which has been a, a fabulous company to learn more about healthcare and medtech, uh, and Sneak, um, who's a leading company developer security. And then I just started investing in a lot of companies, primarily in cloud and security would be the two there is, and you know, I was probably fueling a number of 
CEO calls that would come my way that, you know, should I consider getting back in the, in the race and certainly the, on, on the treadmill, so to speak. About one year, not quite one year, about nine months into the journey, that's when Cohesity called me and the board called me and I felt like this could be a tremendous opportunity to disrupt and innovate in an industry that's been sleepy and not innovating. And the combination of Mohit and I could really, you know, we joke about it as sort of being Woody and Buzz Lightyear. The combination of us could really do some incredible damage in the industry because you didn't have a combination of a tech genius and a go-to-market power. I mean, I know a lot of CIOs, a lot of tech CEOs. I know my Rolex is fairly large. And quite frankly, I've been thinking a lot about where is the world of cloud and data and security go. Uh, Moritz, a tech genius, is, you know, when, when I talk to some of the Google uh, uh, engineering leads, one of who is on our board, Bill Quorum, um, he said there were two people who were very prolific in writing code at Google, I mean, whatever it is, 50, 100,000 lines per year or something. One was Jeff Dean, uh, who was the father of AI and a lot of what happens at Google, and the other was Moritz Aron, who wrote the file system there. So, you know, I think if we can keep him continuing to be uh, motivated about some of the tech problems that we need to solve and, you know, encouraging and pushing and innovating with our tech team. We'll get the pace of innovation really continue to be one of the fastest in the industry in our, you know, we've got, a, I mean, I've just been excited about some of the things the company has accomplished to date. But as I look at calendar 2023, I was reviewing some of that with our team. I'm just really excited about the innovation that um, the team is going to be uh, doing. And then what I want to do is dial that up in the go-to-market with our ecosystem partners. I'm very much a Big Ten ecosystem type of player. I'll build relationships with the big, I'm a Big Ten to everybody, even potentially our competitors, if we can further the good cause. I also have a lot of relationships in the customer base, uh, and I want to get the Fortune 1000, Global 2000, all using Cohesity in due course. Okay. And also, one final question for you. So it's not a, a, a technical question, or it's not a big big strategy CEO thinking question. So you don't have to put your, your, your thinking cap on for this one. Just curious, and I always ask this question at the end, uh, what's, what's on your nightstand? What are you reading these days, Sanjay? I'm not a very big avid reader of books. I, I go back and read some of the books that I've liked for a long time, again and again, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, the what makes, you know, how to win friends and influence people. Somebody recommended that I read this new book, um, you know, that came out recently, The Qualified Sales Leader. I like uh, Frank Lupin's book, Amp It Up. So I read a few of those, typically not necessarily in my nightstand, but audio book that I listen on a plane ride or on my bike rides. Uh, but, you know, I think that part of the book I read every day of the Bible. So that's probably the, the most important book in my life uh, that I read every day. But, you know, I'm, I'm, other than that, I'm much more a business reader than a novelist. Um, I'm probably read articles probably a lot more. I'll probably more likely read a synopsis of a book than the whole book. And I read a lot of journalism. I mean, I was super intrigued by how the New York Times had a really good set of articles and how these investigators found, I mean, they're, they're, they think that they're, they're, the guy who did the Idaho murders, the whole investigation behind that and the narrative of how that happened was fascinating. The New York Times had a really good set of articles on that. So I think the, the journalism, you know, and, and some of the key, our key articles and select books if I can have the time to read the whole thing or listen to the audio book on a bike ride or a, a plane ride, I'll, I'll do that. Um, I tend to also tend to learn a lot through YouTube videos. So if I'm wanting to like, run my, my year off, I really want to understand more about 
crypto and blockchain. And there was a couple of MIT lectures that were fantastic on that topic uh, by, by, by one of the home professors who's actually, actually now the, the head of the SEC. So uh, I tend to learn a lot by these, these lecture videos that are now almost open source courseware that are free on YouTube. There's so much content on educational topics that you can learn uh, on YouTube, including in our space. And I tell people the same thing. If you, you know, as much as you're learning, if you have an, a, an exposition of how you would describe something that's good to people, like, I mean, including, you know, the narrative of cohesity or space, record yourself and put it on video. Uh, like we're doing this podcast, you know, it's a, a fantastic way of getting the message out. It, and if people, you know, can then use that in their own fashion, you can multiply that really fast. If not, we find video to be an incredible way of educating people. And I'm always learning a lot. I've been very fortunate to be born in a family of good communicators. My dad was a preacher, pastor, church planter. So I kind of have a little bit of it in my DNA in terms of how I think about communication. And I've always valued incredibly great communicators and gifted communicators, whether it's a politician or a world leader or a historian or even somebody who is an anchor on a television show. Uh, when you can communicate a message in a clear, crisp, and concise, I sometimes call it Sesame Street simple kind of fashion, and you can do this with passion, uh, with, with, with persuasion, you know, people listen. And, um, you know, uh, I've been blessed to have a little bit of gift in doing that. Uh, and my role then is to use that to galvanize certainly the thousands of people within Cohesity, but then the tens of thousands of people who are possibly our partners and customers. And then clearly through podcasts of this kind, anybody who would be interested in hearing Demetrius and Sanjay Poulin talk for whatever, 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes. Yeah, that's uh, uh, pretty powerful stuff. And I also utilize some of those methods as well. I, I probably spend way more time on YouTube, but it's all educational. And uh, I have a lot of Google alerts set up, you know, for searching for things like data protection, backup and recovery and cloud and AI, just so I can follow the trends of what's happening out there. Um, so, yeah, I can I can take away some some nuggets of information and insight from the overall conversation that we've had. And I, I really appreciate the time that you've spent to enlighten myself, also the listeners as well. And I uh, just want to thank you for being a guest on Data Protection Gumbo. Thank you, Demetrius, for all you're doing. I think this uh, this entire podcast is related to data protection is well talked about, well regarded. So you've got a brand and a fame of your own. I wish you the best and continued visibility of this. Thank you for what you're doing for the industry. Some of my common friends who you know have spoken very highly of you. So it's an honor to be with you. And uh, anytime I can reciprocate and anything I can do to help you or your listeners, you know, um, sanjay.poonan at cohesity.com is my email. Uh, we look forward to helping the industry as a whole advance in this topic, which is super important. And protecting data is a very important cause. We need to fight the bad guys because uh, these folks have nothing other than their own selfish intention of money or anything else. And keeping the world a safer place is a good thing for all of us, whether it's from disease or from, uh, you know, any of these sort of ransomware type attacks. All right. Well, thank you once again. And, um, until next time, maybe we'll get you on again, uh, maybe next year or, you know, several months from now, depending on your schedule. Anytime you want me, I'll be happy to help. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. Please follow us on Twitter at DPG Podcast and join our backup and recovery professionals LinkedIn group. Just search 
Backup and Recovery Professionals on LinkedIn, and you will find the group. And until next time, Gumbo listeners, have a fantastic week.